the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Join us now for a very special parenting series from Pastor Ron Arbaugh and The Word to Stand On for Life on AM 630, The Word. This is The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. I told you I'd keep you up to date uh, a little ahead of time about where we're going. Um, Obviously, tonight we're going to talk about discipline and spanking. Next week, we're going to talk about parental supervision, and there will be some carryover from tonight's study in that. The following week, we're going to talk about purity in sex, dating, and other habits that your children have. That will be a study for mature audiences, so please keep that in mind as you bring your teenagers, especially, into the sanctuary that night. As we begin tonight, Pastor Chuck tells the story of his son Chuck Jr. coming to him one day following getting spanked for misbehaving with a complaint. Dad, Dad, I want to know why you don't do what the Bible says. And Chuck, of course, said, well, what is that, son? I try to do what the Bible says. He goes, no, you don't. You just, you just really don't. Well, what's the problem, Pastor Chuck said. And Chuck Jr. looked at him and said, well, the Bible says spare the rod and spoil the child, and I want to know when you're going to start. <laughs> and Pastor Chuck said, son, I don't think we read those verses exactly the same way. And by the way, did you know spare the rod and spoil the child is not in the Bible? The principle is it's a true proverb, not like the other well-known Bible verse that everybody on earth knows. God helps those who help themselves. Not only is that not in the Bible, it's contrary to everything the Bible teaches. But sparing the rod and spoiling the child is a solid biblical principle. If you do one, the other will result. Now, I've got to tell you, I'm not shocked often in the course of preparing for a study. I've been really shocked by this. Now, I knew there was great animosity towards corporal punishment, secular-wise, out in the world. I knew that people think, oh, you're barbaric and you're being brutal and you're being mean if you spank your child. You should never hit a child. There's actually a website called StopHitting.com, and it has some professing Christian contributors And as you read this, I've got to tell you, I was absolutely shocked at the number of professing Christians who are so adamantly opposed to what is a very clear and a very solid biblical principle. They have answers for our problems. One of the questions was, help, my two-year-old throws tantrums and it's driving me crazy. The answer, two-year-olds are learning to express anger and frustration because their language is limited. No, and tantrums are likely to occur on a regular basis. When the child exhibits tantrums, keep a distance and try to talk about the problem. Have any of you tried that? Allow her or him to calm down and explain why they're angry. Reward your child for doing what you like. God rewards or God's rewards are a hug, a kiss, and a smile. I gotta be honest with you, when my children were growing up, that approach would never have worked. From a mom who is a contributor, a professing Christian contributor to this website, she says the Bible is often quoted as a reason for using corporal punishment. 
All of the biblical quotations advocating corporal punishment of children are taken from the book of Proverbs in the King James Version of the Bible. That's not completely true, but they were written by King Solomon and presumably reflected on his parenting with respect to his own son. The Bible itself records a negative effect of Solomon's parenting style on his son Rehoboam. He became a widely hated ruler after his father's death and had to leave to avoid assassination by his own people. Interesting perspective. Well, Solomon said we should spank and look how his kid turned out. Other common responses, well, well, Jesus didn't say anything about spanking, so he must not want us to suffer not the little children to come unto me. That's the approach that we're supposed to have. People who would make those arguments don't understand anything about the nature of their Bible. Jesus is the author. And while Solomon wrote in the books of wisdom, that's what Proverbs are, while Solomon had the power of the Holy Spirit resting up on him while he was writing, it is still true that he was the wisest man who ever lived, and all of his counsel was good. So why exactly didn't Rehoboam turn out well? Well, we addressed this in our very first study in this series. Could it be that he had 700 wives and 300 concubines? Could it be that he couldn't control his own lust, his own passions? Could it be, could it possibly have been that his son Rehoboam just got a little sick and tired of hearing Dad preach? a message he refused to live. Ephesians says, do not embitter or exasperate your child. Nothing, guys, nothing will embitter your children against you or against God more than being inconsistent. Is it okay for Christians to spank their children? There are many of these websites who say that the inference is that you can't be a Christian unless you are a spanker. Well, tonight we're going to get God's perspective. It's important to get God's perspective because His is the only perspective that matters. As we begin tonight discussing discipline, spanking, we're on very solid ground. Will you turn with me to the book of Proverbs? We're going to start in Proverbs chapter 3, and we'll go through some of the other Proverbs. We can read these verses quickly and comment on them. Now, something I want to say before we start reading Proverbs and this is important, there may possibly be some very good and valuable secular information out there regarding discipline and spanking. If there is, however, it will absolutely agree with God's word. There is no one who has anything positive or valuable to contribute at all if they are in disagreement with the word of God. And that is the basis from which we begin tonight. It is the basis upon which this entire series on parenting is grounded. Anything that disagrees with God is faulty, it is deficient, it is wrong. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Solomon writes, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, and do not resent his rebuke. Here's the motive. Because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Turn ahead to Proverbs chapter 10. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 13. Wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning, but a rod is for the back of him or her who lacks judgment. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 24. He who spares the rod hates his son. Would you underline that, please? So often we think of spanking, we think of corporal punishment, and we think, oh no, I could never do that. I just love my child too much. God's perspective is simple. From heaven, if you refuse to discipline your child through spanking, when spanking is appropriate, we'll talk a lot about that tonight, God says you hate your son. You may stand before God and say, no, I don't. I love them. I love them with all my heart. And your love may be emotional, but your love is not in fact love. If you don't parent your child, the way God parents you. Discipline, it says, he who spares the right hates is somebody who loves him, is careful to discipline. Let me read that to you from the Living Bible. I love this translation, the same verse. He who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. That's the NIV. Um, I, I jumped ahead when my eyes jumped. Go to Proverbs chapter 19. This is the one where I love the Living Bible translation. I'll read first out of the NIV. 
Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18, Discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Same proverb, different translation. Discipline your son in his early years while there is hope. If you don't, you will ruin his life. It's a difficult life for someone who does not acknowledge the role of authority in their life. It's a difficult life. A child leaves the home and has to go out into a world where he refuses or she refuses to accept the authority. Chapter 22, verse 15. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far from him, cause and effect. Folly is already in the heart of your child. The rod of discipline will drive it far from him. Chapter 23. Verses 13 and 14, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish him with the rod, here's my insert, contrary to popular opinion, he will not die. Punish him with the rod and save his soul from death. Guys, what's your objective with your children? Is your objective to raise good kids? Or is your objective to spend eternity in heaven with your kids? That's God's objective. And one of the things that we need to do is widen our scope our perspective. We need to understand that we could raise the best kids in the whole world, and if they don't make it to heaven, what have we accomplished? God says, I want everything possible done to get your children into heaven. Chapter 29, verse 15. The rod of correction imparts wisdom, but a child left to himself disgraces his mother. Can I have an amen from the moms? Now down to verse 17. Discipline your son, and he will give you peace. He will bring delight to your soul. Pretty solid biblical foundation for spanking. That's what the rod is. The idea is a shepherd's staff. It is used for protection, but it is also used for discipline. It's used by ancient shepherds as a tool to ward off those predators who would harm the flock. And the idea is do it because God says it's good for your child and perhaps because it hasn't been good in your life. Perhaps because there's been adults in your life who've abused spanking or corporal punishment. We don't want to blame God for those issues. Guys, God's heart on the issue is clear. Five times in the Old Testament, a child who curses, a willfully disobedient older child who curses his father or mother is commanded to be put to death by stoning. Now, should we do that now? Now, obviously, that's not what the Bible says. You know, sometimes these people that don't understand anything about the Bible, and you'll say, well, God says capital punishment. Well, God says we also ought to stone our children. Should we do that? They don't get it. They don't understand this was the law that was given, and it was given to demonstrate God's heart. Let me ask you a question. God killed, and the Bible is very clear, God killed the first two hypocrites of the early church. Did he not? Would you like it if God was still doing that today? What if we had a hypocrite zapper on those back doors? Everybody would pull into church. They'd be all excited about it. Oh, good. Adam's team is worshiping tonight. Oh, praise the Lord. They fall down dead. No, that's not the idea. But these things happen to show us God's heart on the issue. Five times in the Old Testament, God demands that a child who curses his father or mother be put to death by stoning. God wants to use those examples, the law of God from which we are free in Jesus Christ. He wants to use the law of God to show us his heart regarding rebellious children. There's far too many parents, including Christian parents, allow their children to disrespect, to disobey, and to rebel against the authority God has established in the home, and thus they end up rebelling against the authority that God has established outside the home. And if you permit that in your homes, you are condemning your child to a lifestyle that from God's heart is worthy of death. Now, in Christ, we have forgiveness of all of those things. Many of us who now parent children were ourselves rebellious children. And God has given us the freedom 
of knowing Jesus Christ, having our past wiped away, having all of our sins forgiven and forgotten, and we can say thank you, Jesus, for that, but that remains his heart toward rebellion. Rebellion, according to God in the book of Samuel, is as the sin of witchcraft. When we decide to resist or rebel against authority, God looks at our sin, he looks at our children's sin, the same way he looks at the sin of witchcraft. So is spanking biblical? Is it solidly biblical? The answer is undeniably so. And there's no way to stretch these scriptures with any kind of integrity and honesty and come up with any other conclusion. So let's talk tonight about how to spank, how to discipline, the consistency involved. And we're going to start with when not to spank or correct. You know, there are times, and we start with the younger kids and we'll kind of work our way up, but there are times when kids are just being kids. There are times when they need to burn off some energy. When a kid is acting his or her age without malicious intent, spanking is not appropriate. I'll never forget overhearing a parent scolding his child, a little boy, and he said, when will you act your age? I have to tell you over and over and over. And the volume got louder and louder and louder. I want you to act your age. And the kid finally, with exasperation, looked up at his dad and said, I'm six. He was acting his age. Sometimes, I've got to tell you, I get a little frustrated with parents. Your kids are in here running around in the sanctuary. Now you think I'm going to say, you should control them better. No, that's what kids do. Oh, no, no, we're in church. can't run in church. This is a holy place. This is a strip center. <laughs> I want your kids to have fun here. I want them to enjoy coming. Kids act like kids, and there's times when we're just a little bit embarrassed or, or we're a little bit put off, and so we want to correct them. Guys, it is not time to correct or to spank your child when they're just acting their age. I also feel very, very strongly that kids should not be spanked or corrected when they make a simple mistake in judgment or when an accident occurs. I've seen children spanked harshly simply because they dropped a glass of milk or they made a mess in a restaurant. It's just an accident. Accidents happen. I don't know if you've ever had a fender bender, but, but, but how would you like it if after every fender bender you went into your insurance company and before they gave you a check, they punched you? <laughs> Accidents happen. Even adults make mistakes, and we need to let our children know that they will not be punished for mistakes. We need sometimes to lighten up. And not take ourselves so seriously. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this one because this is perhaps the most important thing I'm going to say tonight. It is never, ever appropriate to spank when you're angry. Not ever. Not in a moment of frustration. Not when you lose your patience. It is never appropriate to spank your child when angry. I can't emphasize this enough. Let me make it a little bit more difficult even than that. It is never appropriate to raise your voice to your children in anger. Can you imagine the last time you messed up, you're walking down the street, and God, in full hearing of everybody on earth, calls your name and scolds you publicly. When you're angry... It, it's not a sin to be angry. We all get angry, but too many of us, we sin in our anger. We let the flesh take control. My mother, she was 98 pounds, and I'll talk about her wooden spoon a little bit later. But, but she had a wooden spoon. Now, I don't know. I was talking with Pastor Jeff, and he said, you know, I hear a lot of people talk about wooden spoons. He says, was that like a white person thing? <laughs> His mother was Hispanic, and she didn't use a wooden spoon. He told me she walked around and she had a belt. And she would hit him with a belt. She says there were, he said there were times when she'd get up and put the belt around her neck just as kind of a, this is what's waiting for you if you mess up. <laughs> My mom at 98 pounds would start calmly. She'd grab the wooden spoon and then she'd start with the, if I have to do it. And, and pretty soon she'd be wailing on us. And, and it was not only embarrassing, but it hurt us to see our mom behaving like that. It is never time to raise your voice to your child in anger. It's never time to spank your child in anger. You know, when opponents of spanking, even those who are professing Christians, 
Our voice, their argument, it always says hitting. It's not spanking, it's hitting, or it's beating, or it's victimizing. Their choice of words is very careful. And the reason is because too many professing Christian parents spank when angry. They lose control. And we need never to do that. I'm not talking tonight about beating your children. I'm not talking tonight about hitting your children. I'm talking tonight about a measured physical response when appropriate to their rebellion and to their sin. You know, Pastor Barry has taught me a lot. Just by watching him as he disciplines here and as he even instructs some of the parents who have to come here and spank their children here at the academy. When Pastor Barry has to spank a child in school or when the parent comes in to do the spanking, he looks at them and lets them know first and foremost that he loves them. He asks them, do I look angry? No. Do I sound angry? No. Well, do you know I love you? Now, by that time, the kid's thinking, I'm going to get out of this. And he lets them know that they've sinned. And willful rebellion must be disciplined, must be punishing. He says, is there anything in my voice that makes you think I'm mad at you? And it's important to take that approach, guys, because punishment, discipline must be reasoned and reasonable and rational. Again, never raise your voice in anger to your child and never strike your child in anger. I know that's hard. Now, obviously, if a child's about to cross a busy street, you have to yell to get their attention. That's a volume warning of danger. That's okay. It's different. But volume in anger is just plain meanness. It is flesh. It is frustration coming out. And you know what I learned watching my own children is that they've got this off and on switch. And whenever the volume rises above a certain level, it goes off. And you just sound mean. You just sound mad. You just sound angry. Hey, what's up with mom? What's up with dad? And we need to be more in control of ourselves than that. Guys, I still deal with adults into their 30s, 40s, and 50s who can't get past the mean things their parents said to them. And yet they repeat the same mistakes, sometimes even using the same words. Have you ever heard something come out of your mouth and instantly you knew, oh, that sounded like my mom? Sound like my dad. I said I would never say that. But we do. Because our pasts can haunt us, especially when we're in the flesh. Anger has no place at all in your relationship with your children. Anger has no place at all in your relationship with your children. Now, here's the problem. Even as I say we're not to discipline in anger, the truth is that when we are angry, that's when we do the disciplining. We don't take a time out. You know, it's amazing. We can tell our kids to go take a time out, but when we're angry, we won't, we won't go do that. We, we won't go and say, okay, Lord, you've you got to settle my heart. This is a child I love. This is a child you love. And, Lord, I want to represent you rightly before this child. And so, Lord, before I sound mean, before I sound angry, before I give them the impression that you're a father in heaven who gets angry with us, change my heart. And that's the place we have to be as parents, guys. If you are yelling at your children, if you lose patience with them, it's nothing more than allowing your flesh to control. And in the process, you compromise your witness. And in the process, you misrepresent God. If you want to see God's heart about how he's represented, ask Moses. Nobody could blame Moses after 40 years of walking around with grumbling, complaining Israelites in the wilderness. After all of the the undertone of Moses thinks he knows everything, for all that time, after seeing the hand of God move over and over and over, guys, Moses had just had enough. We can empathize with him, can't we? I can't take it one more time. God, they're hungry. They're thirsty. We'll give them something to drink. Speak to the rock, and the water of life will come out. Moses took his staff, didn't he? And he struck the rock twice. The people still got their water. But Moses never got a trip to the promised land, not until the Mount of Transfiguration, that is. Great picture, by the way, of grace. We cannot ever allow our flesh to be in control. Guys, we have the power in the Spirit to overcome our own fleshly impulses. The damage done to your children with volume, with loose words, is incalculable. Be very, very careful. It's also the reason that spanking gets such a bad rap. 
we're not to beat our children, and that's what everybody says we're doing, because they hear the volume, because they hear the anger. But we are supposed to spank them with enough force to make a point. A spanking that is symbolic isn't spanking at all. What if Jesus would have symbolically gone to the cross for us? What if Jesus said, I love them so much, Father, you love them so much, I'm going to go right to the point of when they start beating me, and then I'm out of here. But, but I love them. And so our, our discipline has to have substance. It has to have meaning. And in order, in this particular context, spanking has to have some sort of impact. They must, the blows, the swats must hurt just a little bit. Just a little bit. We don't want to send our kids crying and screaming. But you know what? Every parent deserves the right to give the this is going to hurt me more than hurt you speech. But it's got to hurt them a little bit if it's going to make the point. But if we go beyond what's reasonable, if we spank while we're angry, and believe me, you will get angry, the damage is too great. Deal with your anger first and then spank next. Another thing you should do before you spank is pray. More of the parenting series with Pastor Ron Arbaugh of The Word to Stand On for Life coming up in two minutes on AM 630, The Word. Join us now for a very special parenting series from Pastor Ron Arbaugh and The Word to Stand On for Life on AM 630, The Word. Welcome back to The Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Everything in this Bible, the Bible you hold in your lap, is the very Word of God. Whether it was said in the Old Testament or the New Testament, it doesn't contradict itself because God simply cannot contradict himself. And we have to decide whose side we're on, whose perspective we're going to take, whose ideas we're going to believe. Guys, believe me, God loves your kids way more than you do. And he knows what's best for them. Are you going to discipline? Are you going to spank? Are you going to trust God? You see, if you're in the Word of God, the answer is no, well, because I believe all the stuff that I've been bombarded with by the world. But, but you must be in the Word of God, influenced by it, or you're going to be influenced by the prevailing opinions of this world. If your mind is closed on this subject, if you're not in the Word of God, you know what's going to come into your mind the minute you say, okay, we're going to spank kids, that your kids are going to say, I'm going to call CPS. And you're going to say, oh, yeah, you could do that. I might get in trouble. It must be bad. You have to trust God on these issues. And before anybody thinks, boy, Pastor Ron must have beat his children to death. You know what? You spank a kids, and it doesn't continue very long. Why? Because they learn the lesson. Here's one of the areas where we can trust God. Test him on these things. Test him on these things. And the truth is that you'll find out that his way works. Not, not because he's some super psychologist, but because he has supernatural power. He changes your heart, and he changes your child's heart. And in the process, he simply honors his word as he promises it never returns to him void. And we've simply got to accept his perspective. Here's one of the reasons that we have to accept his perspective. I've read this before. I got it from one of Ray Stedman's commentaries. I love Ray Stedman. It's actually been something that has also been quoted in other contexts. But listen to this very carefully. This comes from the Minnesota State Commission on Crime. In their study on juvenile delinquency, here's the conclusion they came to regarding your child. Now, you sound not from Minnesota. It doesn't matter. It's all children. Listen to this. Every baby starts life as a little savage. Now, this is the Minnesota Commission on Crime. 
This isn't Pastor Ron. Every baby starts life as a little savage. He or she is completely selfish and self-centered. That's true. He wants what he wants when he wants it. His bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's toys. Deny him these and he sees with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous were it not so helpless. This means all children are born delinquent. Not just certain children, but all children. If permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, given free reign to their impulsive actions to satisfy each and every want, every child would grow up a criminal, a thief, a killer, a rapist. Please note that this is from a secular source, not a Christian trying to make a point. The Minnesota State Commission on Crime has accurately assessed the condition of your child's heart. We are born in sin, Jesus says, condemned already, John chapter 3. Even the cutest of the cute, the precious babies around Calvary Chapel, wouldn't it be great if there was just like some special dispensation for Calvary Chapel San Antonio babies? They're born to great parents and, and they're just perfect when they come home from the hospital. I don't think any parent has found that to be the case. It's because they're born Little savages. Children are born without controls in their life, external or internal controls. Why do we put diapers on our children? Because they can't control their plumbing. It's that simple. Try sitting down with your one-year-old and saying this. I want to reason with you about this going to the bathroom thing. What I would like you to do is let mom or dad know when it's time to go to the bathroom. I'm sorry, dad. Let me rephrase that. What I want you to do is let your mom know when it's time to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I tried to change a really bad diaper one time, and man, it was gag city. So, Paula's department. It's like Pastor Jeff's department here. Jeff is in charge of the complaint department at Calvary Chapel. So if you have any complaints about this message, see Pastor Jeff. But, but, but what I want you to do is let us know when you have to go, and I'll help you into the bathroom, and you can begin using the bathroom. Let's be reasonable. We're going to go. I trust you. I think basically you're good. Let, no diapers. It's not going to work. In Mesa, Arizona, when my son was just an infant, he was not feeling too well, and it was so hot. It was in the middle of the summer. The temperature outside was like 118 degrees. We had a little tiny place with a swamp cooler, so it was like 115 in the house. And so we just thought it would be more comfortable for him to put him in his crib without any clothes at all on. And Pretty soon he started crying and we went in and his eyes were stuck together and his ear just, it was horrible. Why? Because he had no external controls. But neither does your child have internal controls. And guys, what is true of them physically is also true of them spiritually. So the answer is the parent is on duty. It's the parent's job to exert control over their children. And in the process of doing so, there's opportunities to teach a lot of valuable lessons. Before I teach, just share one lesson with you and then we'll, we'll go on in the study. You know, one of the things that we've got to understand about our kids is that they need our control. They want it. They may tell you they don't. They may resist it. Whether your child is a baby, 5 years old, 10 years old, or 15 years old, they still need limits. And once they find those limits, they, they get really comfortable in them, even if they rebel against them at the beginning. Now, admittedly, it's harder to start when your child is 15 than when your child is 10. It's harder to start when your child is 10 than when your child is 5. It's harder to start when your child is 5 than when your child is 1. But you have to start somewhere, because it's our job to exert controls. One of the things that these websites, these psychologists champion, is that children need to be free spirits, independent. They shouldn't be forced to obey or to be compliant. Guys, that is absolutely contrary to the whole Word of God. 
Your children need to learn to be compliant. Can you imagine going to work tomorrow and telling your boss, I'm a free thinker, I'm going to exercise my independence. Merry Christmas, you're fired. That's the world your children are going out into. It's the world that we have the responsibility to prepare them for. And we must exert control. We must teach them to respect authority, to obey authority. In short, we must be sure they're compliant. Now, let's talk about teaching something positive in the process of spanking. People say it's barbaric. There's nothing positive about it. Well, a parent who spanks consistently when appropriate can use the opportunity at times to teach lessons on grace. If you have a small child who's disobedient, this doesn't work with teens, by the way. They're smarter than we are. And if you spank consistently, consistently every once in a while, you can say to your child, you know what you've done is, is worth spanking. You deserve it. You've broken the rule. It was willful disobedience. And you know what you're going to get. Yes, Dad. Yes, Mom. I know what I'm going to get. What are you going to get? I know I'm going to get a spanking. How many swats am I going to get? You know, that's what you deserve. But just this once, let's teach about grace. Open your Bible and tell them what Jesus did for you. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The old is gone, the new has come. And tell them, you know what? You deserve to be spanked. That's the law. But tonight, we're going to teach grace. Pray with your child. Ask him to repent. And send him to bed. Love and grace. Now, I've got to warn you, if your child is smart, and most of them are, the next time they break the rule and you say, okay, what do you deserve? Let's learn about grace again, they'll say. <laughs> no, tonight it's all about law. <laughs> and get back into consistency. By doing so, you're teaching your child a lesson they'll need to learn. Guys, children need to realize that behavior has consistent consequences. They need to be in fear of those consequences. I want to say that again. They need to be in fear of those consequences before they make the decision to disobey. They need to be able to reason through this. Okay, if I do this, I'm going to get this. Do I want to get this? Or is what I'm going to do worth getting spanked for? They need to learn to make those decisions because aren't those the same decisions that we make every day? Men, we drive by places you can't go by billboards anymore without being tempted with lust. And every day you have to make the decision, look, I could give in to that lust and I could go into that, that naked bar, or the gentlemen's clubs they so wrongly call them. But I wouldn't be welcome at home if I did. And you weigh the consequences. You make the right choice. It's a process that we learn in life. It's a process that your children need to learn from the very beginning. They need to be in fear of those consequences before. And if they make no, rather if there's no consistent punishment when they make the wrong choice, what they learn is only this, that I can get away with sin. That I can cry or I can plead or, or, or try to, 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 to appeal to the sympathies of mom or dad, whichever one happens to be the softy. And I can get away with sin. And God doesn't let you, and he doesn't let me get away with sin because he loves us. As we noted Solomon wrote earlier, he who spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is careful to discipline him. Guys, God wants to make sure that we and your children, by extension, consider sin before committing it. And sadly, we don't learn that lesson often enough. How do we talk to our children before we spank them, before we discipline them? We reason with them. Now, I'm going to say that with tongue-in-cheek a little bit. You see, when your child misbehaves, you need to sit down with them, explain clearly what they did wrong. You need to explain to them clearly what God's perspective on what they did is. It's cruel to punish somebody for something they don't know why they're getting punished. If you go to work tomorrow and they fire you and you say, well, what did I do? And they say, well, it's private. You're not going to like it very much. Your children need to understand why they're being punished. That's why we reason with them. But that's the only way we reason with them. And here's the way I like to say it. I'm reasoning with you because 
it is the reason you're going to get a spanking. But you're going to get a spanking. Because willful disobedience must be punished. Your children should never be disciplined without knowing exactly why they're being disciplined. And here's one other thing they should never be permitted to resist. Let's just say that you've determined in your own house that, that, that this particular act of rebellion is worth one swad. And you tell your child, grab your ankles, you're going to get a swad. And they say, no, no. And they start running around and making it hard. Just start counting two swats. They keep resisting three swats. Four swats. And you'll get their attention. You can't permit your children to resist. That's willful disobedience. Now let's talk about reasons to punish, reasons to spank. I want to break them down into two categories, moral issues and non-moral issues. An example of a non-moral issue would be breaking a toy while playing with it or spilling something on the carpet, dragging mud in, you know, from outside when you've told them not to or to be careful, those kind of things. Those are non-moral issues. There, there needs to be consequences sometimes in those instances, but spanking should probably not be one of them. Reserve spanking for the moral issues, issues like lying. And by the way, not all lies should be punished with spanking. Small children often lie reflexively. Have you ever asked a kid, did you do that? No? Well, how come you got it all over your face? You know the old saying, I got caught with my hand in the cookie jar. That's real. Are you getting a cookie? No. They don't understand the implications of it. You need to sit down and take the time to teach them. They don't understand the full scope of what lying means. Now, if they persist in lying after you've taught them, it becomes even for the younger child then a moral issue, which then can be met with spanking. Other moral issues are disrespect. A child should never be allowed to speak disrespectfully to his or her parents. Dads, I, I really want to challenge you. Your child should never, ever be able to take a tone with your wife. Not ever. By the way, nobody should ever be able to talk bad about your wife. Not ever. That, that's a man thing. <laughs> but often, we let our children disrespect our mom because, well, we don't agree with the way you handled it. A child will be disrespectful, and often the, the dad will go to the, to, to the mom later and say, well, you know, if you'd handled it differently, it wouldn't have happened that way. Never, ever take sides against your wife. Wives never take sides against your husband. Not ever. Those issues have to be settled. How can two walk together unless they agree to do so? Children must understand that they come way behind in the pecking order of relationships in the home, behind the husband and wife relationship. It is primary and they need to understand that. You're the head of the family. You're the one responsible for creating that environment. Disrespect is a moral issue. Stealing is another moral issue. Or even on a lower level with younger children, refusing to share. We must teach them lessons on what love is, practical love, what, what it really is. Uh, fighting is another moral issue. When we fight, our flesh is in control. Your child must not fight with siblings. You say, oh, how are you going to stop that? And you know what? You can legislate that with discipline. Your child shouldn't be allowed to fight with other people. Now, I'll talk about self-defense rather in a, in a subsequent study. But, but never take sides against the authority in your children's life. Too many times, you know, the teacher sends home a note. Not, not just at our school, all schools. The teacher, your child was misbehaving. And immediately we get the hair in the back of our neck. No, my child doesn't act like that. Were you doing this? Your child says, no, Mom, I wasn't. And so we get all mad and we take the child's side against the teacher. Guys, I grew up in a time when if I would have told my mom my teacher did something wrong, she would say, what would you do, Ronnie? And you know what? Whether it's a teacher in authority, policeman in authority, the government in authority, we have to teach our kids respect for authority. We have to. Now let me kind of jump ahead a little bit because I want to talk about how to spank a child. And here's where I'm getting into an area that's subjective. I'm going to give you what is very strongly held opinions that I have. But remember, that's all they are, are opinions. 
I don't believe personally that a child should ever be spanked by the bare hand of a parent. I think there needs to be a rod, something in between. I think it becomes too personal. I think it becomes too aggressive. I think the child needs to understand that the parent is simply the tool for discipline. And I don't think a bare hand accomplishes that. A paddle or a wooden spoon, that was my mom's favorite, is best. When you have to spank, pick out the padded parts, the bottom That's where children should be spanked. They should never be spanked on the back of the legs, on the upper back. They should never be spanked in a place where it's going to draw blood, where there's going to be marks, or or where it's going to sting more for effect. Again, reasoned and measured discipline is what's important. And by the way, never, ever, ever strike a child on the face or the head. Not ever. Don't grab, don't shake, don't squeeze. Because when those things are happening, you're simply out of control. We aren't here to torture our children. We're not here to abuse them. We're here to teach them. I want you to think about everything you do to your child, how you would like it if God did exactly that same thing to you. Never strike a child on the face. The, the backhand and the, well, I slapped it in the mouth, I washed their mouth, that was soap. You know, those things work for my grandma, but they don't work today. Those things are mean and they're cruel. They're also misunderstood by the world around us and a very bad witness. Let's also talk for a minute about privacy and respect when spanking. Spanking is an intimate act between a child and a parent. It should never be done in public. It should never be done in a way to embarrass the child. It should be done in private, not even in the presence of other siblings. It should be done in private, away from the view of other kids. Why? Because God never humiliates us, nor should we humiliate our children. Spanking should also be age and gender appropriate. I don't believe, and I feel very strongly about this, that a child should ever be forced to pull down their pants to get a spanking. I also don't believe that older girls, especially 10, 11, 12, and into the early teens, should ever be spanked by their fathers stretched out over a knee. I think that's inappropriate. While fathers should do most of the spanking in the house, when a girl starts to get a little bit older, it's a job for mom. It's a job for mom. And boys should be spanked by the dads. We need to show them some respect. It's indecent to have a teenage daughter spread across the lap of her father. These kind of things end up causing deep, deep resentment. It should also, in spite of the way Jeff's mom used it and how well he turned out, it should never be used as a lever for discipline. By that I mean you shouldn't have a, a big paddle hanging on the wall and every time your kid starts to ask you a question, you say, you know, be careful, the paddle's right there. We should expect good behavior, not poor behavior, from our children. Again, after spanking, not immediately after, but after spanking, talk with your child. Give them the opportunity to repent. Sin is why they got spanked. The only answer for sin is repentance. And let them know if they truly repent at that moment that everything is forgiven and forgotten. You know, we're too quick to threaten. You stay in your room for a month. And then we're not mad anymore. And it's like, okay, you've been in there two hours. I think that's enough. If you spank them, And then if you go talk to them and if they repent, it's over. It's done. Now we move on. Isn't that how God deals with us? And that's the way we should deal. That's the way he would want us to deal with our children. And then hug them. Let them know they're loved. Let them know that it really did hurt you more than it hurt them. They won't buy it, but that's not important. And let me repeat one final time that we should not ever be angry when we spank. Not ever. It is a gross misrepresentation of God. Now, I'm going to stop there tonight, and next week we'll talk about other forms of discipline that do not incorporate spanking. And we'll do that in the context of supervision, supervising your child. It is 
I think an important lesson, and I trust that my heart has been shared with you openly tonight. I'm certain that some of the things I've said will have been misunderstood either accidentally or intentionally. The enemy does not want parents to discipline their children after God's method of disciplining us. And so if you misunderstood anything, if, if, if you heard anything that sounded mean to you tonight, it's not my heart, it's not God's heart, it was never intended that way and you misunderstood. Guys, God loves you so much. And it would be unloving, wouldn't it, if he refused to discipline you? It would be unloving if he just let you go off and wildly rebel without consequences. It would be unloving if when you did it one time God did nothing, but the next time you did it he, he, he punished you severely, and then the next time you did it nothing happened again. God is consistent in his love and he's consistent in his discipline. And because God is love, even his discipline, though no discipline for the moment seems pleasant. Everything that comes from God comes from love. And that's how he wants us to raise his kids. Can I close with that? Remember, guys, they're not your kids. They've got your DNA. Some of them look amazingly like you. Some of them have the same mannerisms, but they're belong. They're kids that belong to God. And you've been given temporary custody over those children. And one day you will stand before the living Lord of the universe. And you'll be given an opportunity to see how you did. If you've blown it up to this point, you know what? 2 Corinthians 5.17 is for you. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 is for you. Now everybody Coward Chapel knows those verses, so I don't need to tell you. If you don't know them, you should. Because they're for you. They're for you. And just as you hold out your arms to your kids and say, I love you. I'm not angry with you anymore. God will say that very same thing to you tonight, no matter how badly you've messed up to this point. God specializes in new starts, even if we've had them over and over and over again. Thank you for joining us for today's program in the parenting series from Pastor Ron Arbaugh and the Word to Stand On for Life. 